0: welcome everyone to the tessa van wade show i have sitting in front of me drew manning he is a new york times bestseller of fit to fat to fit and you're also on a show on a and e for fit to fat to fit yes and you have another book the complete keto
1: yes two books okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) thank you for having me on it's a pleasure to be here i'm excited to have you here
0: (laughs) you know it's so funny because i've I've heard about you for a long time through, we have a very mutual friend, Alika, and he's one of the, he's seriously (laughs) one of the best guys I have ever known. Um, and so I was super excited when you even said, yeah, I was like, okay, (laughs) good. This is good. So really quick, before we even get into all of that other stuff, what I wanted to give you props on, um, after kind of reviewing and looking at all the stuff so that I could prepare for this interview The coolest thing about what I love about what you did is um, I'll give you a little story of I was the chubby girl and then I got fit after a while. But I have met several trainers in my lifetime and one of them, I remember having a conversation with them and they, I said, so have you ever... Like, have you ever struggled with weight? Because they have this beautiful body. Mm -hmm. This is a woman trainer, and she had this beautiful body. And I was like, so have you ever, like, lost any weight? Have you ever had to, like, gain and lose? And she goes, oh, yeah, I totally did. And I go, oh, okay, when was that? And she goes, oh, I gained, like, 15 pounds my freshman year in college. (laughs) And I was like, uh, (laughs) yeah. I mean, everybody has their own story. But I think that a lot of people really, really – Relate to your story because you actually took the time out to gain the weight, feel what you feel when you gain that weight. Yeah. And I read somewhere that you really talked about. Um, no, I think it was actually a video that I watched that you talked about the empathy that it created. Yeah. And so that is what I love.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I didn't, you know, when I did it back in 2011. I didn't know what would happen. I kind of had an idea like, okay, I'm going to gain this weight and then I'm going to lose the weight and hopefully I'll learn something from it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize how humbling the process would be and how hard it would be. Cause I, I, I was more of the judgmental trainer. Cause I, that's all sure. I, I had ever known was that it was easy to be in shape. Cause I grew up my entire life in shape, Correct. never knew any yeah. different. And I'm like, yeah, it's simple. You just eat healthy food. You exercise like What's the problem? Why can't, why can't you guys do it? <laughs> you know, so yes. I would get frustrated with my clients because they'd be like, oh man, you know, Drew, I tried to stay on track with my meal plan, but my friends came over and one thing led to another and then ended up having pizza. And I'm like, well, why didn't you just not do that? Like just put down the junk food and like just be disciplined, <laughs> you know? And, and when I did this experience in 2011 where for six months I stopped exercising, I gained 75 pounds during that, that experiment. And then I tried to lose the weight. That's where the empathy Came in, where I realized right. just how hard this was, and I realized how much of a transformation is mental and emotional. And I yeah. didn't realize that until I went through this experiment of intentionally gaining weight, um, so that I could better relate to my clients. Because here I was, someone who had never been overweight a day in my life, right? Trying to help people who were overweight pretty much every day of their life, and they were, like, for me in my head, it's simple, totally, but for them, it's the hardest thing in the world.
0: I remember times when I was a kid or when I was a teenager that somebody would put chocolate <laughs> in front of me after I'd made the decision of like, okay, I'm going to do this, you know, because I got close to 200 pounds. And granted, that's not a ton, but I was 17, yeah. right? So, so I was getting up there and then have, watching my mom kind of go up and down my whole life. I remember not being able to say no yeah. at all. Yeah. And I remember people being like, well, just say no. And you <laughs> don't, I can't even tell you. <laughs> Like it was, it was shockingly hard. Like it was, I, there was just something in me that it was shockingly hard. So that's why, that's why I think what you did was so beneficial in the long run for you. Right. I mean, and let me ask you this about the gaining of the weight. Did you at a certain point get to where you're like, oh my God, I don't want to eat anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Almost every day that happened because I, you know, I was eating to gain weight, of course, but I didn't do it like... So f- were
0: you eating like crap?
1: Yeah, but yeah. good tasting crap. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, it tasted really good. <laughs> I mean, the what I did for my journey, so just to give everyone like an idea, uh, back in 2011, I decided for six months to stop exercising completely and eat a standard American diet. Now we've all seen or heard of Super Size Me, where Correct. Morgan Spurlock eats McDonald's for 30 days straight and he almost dies. Yes. So I think most of us know fast food is bad for us, it's unhealthy for us. But what I wanted to focus on was everyday American foods that we grew up with in the 70s and 80s that sometimes we don't think is that bad for us. Sometimes yeah. we is even marketed to us as health food. So right. the foods that I focus on were highly processed foods that were cheap and affordable, very convenient. And let's be honest, they freaking taste delicious. All the sugary <laughs> cereals we have, like Cinnamon Toast Crunch is my jam. <gasps> totally. I could eat that twice a day. <laughs> uh, su- you know, sugary sodas and juices and granola bars, chips, cookies, crackers, Hot Pockets, Top Ramen, mac and cheese, like... Spaghettios, all the stuff that exists out there that we've that our country has, you know, in a way subsidized to make these ingredients so affordable and so cheap. Correct, and they make they make them taste so good. I mean, these companies spend millions and millions of dollars on food scientists to make. And and they did dive into the psychology of what is the most addictive to the brain. Right. What food combinations, what colors and things like that make this more addictive. Right. And so that's their job is to do that. And they get paid lots of money to do that.
0: I think I read somewhere that Oreos is like <laughs> as addictive as what, cocaine Crack or something? Cocaine. Crack yeah, cocaine. they've done studies <laughs> of
1: rats about that. Yeah. But that's why it's an uphill battle for people. And that's right. why you know, I decided to focus on eating that, that type of food, uh, you know, every single day for six months. And I gained 75 pounds in those six months. And yeah, there was days where I'm like, oh, like you, you feel this when you first, when it first hits you, you feel great. It feels good. Like to eat that food, it tastes good. You feel, you get this little dopamine hit. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, this feels amazing. The reward centers of your brain just light up like fireworks. But then after a while you get this, well, what happens? You get a blood sugar spike which feels good for a second, but then when that spike comes, a crash. Right. And when that crash happens, your body's like, hey, we need that high again. We need to get high from that right. food, in a sense. And so it pushes you to like, go back to that state. Right. So that's why you're constantly wanting to have that food over and over and over again. So no matter how miserable you felt after eating three bowls of cinnamon toast crunch, eventually it's going to wear off. Right. And then your body's going to feel, you know, it push you to want that again. And so this is why I realized transformation isn't just, isn't just physical. It's way more mental and emotional. That emotional connection to food is more powerful than we think.
0: Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, starting, becoming a personal trainer uh, for me Mm -hmm. was kind of already such a different prospect in my life because I was that girl. I was that one that was addicted to that. And um, I mean, it is gnarly how how much I did not realize the stuff that was put in, was going into my body was affecting my energy. I was not taught yeah. to know that I was not I, I just I remember days where I could not walk from here to there without feeling tired yeah. and I think about that now and I realize I didn't think twice about that being food. Yeah. I only knew. Yeah. That I, I, and so, and you have daughters. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I have daughters. And so the biggest thing that I've been trying to teach them is that to correlate what you put in your, your mouth also affects your energy, having nothing to do with what you look like. Yes. Right. And having everything to do with the, like, so less emotion and more just a subject in school. Yeah. Right? Of like this is why that happens when this happens. And so watching them understand that has been such an interesting switch from my childhood. Yeah. You know? And it goes back to exactly what you're talking about. I don't know what I don't, I don't know how old you are. So I'm 41. Oh my Pretty god, old. you're the yeah. exact same age we are. Not I really. just turned 42. Oh wow.
1: Okay. I just
0: turned 42 and it's so funny because <laughs> <laughs> I don't Speaking of 42, I have my glasses somewhere cuz it just popped up on me this year <laughs> that I'm like readers and oh. needing them. But it is funny because our body does change, right? As mm-hmm. we get older. But I we grew up in the 80s, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. 90s. Yeah. And we were just talking about it the <laughs> other day and it, Ben and I were just talking about it. My husband and the other day in a podcast about um I think we said something about pop tarts and oh, like
1: Yeah, so good. Oh my gosh, <laughs>
0: so good. But like what now I know what was I fueling my brain with yeah at school yeah right
1: it's true but we're all products of our environment like like for example our parents didn't know any better no they just were kind of taught hey here's the food pyramid kind of stay within that range okay I'll go buy all this processed food that's low in fat and then eat 7 to 11 servings of that per day because it comes from grains right so when you're supposed to eat 7 to 11 servings of grains right remember the food pyramid I do yeah we were eating like like candy and marshmallows and like, you know, these low fat foods, but they add so much sugar to them to make them taste amazing. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what we're taught, but our parents didn't know any better. And right. We didn't know any better. We didn't think diet correlates to energy levels and brain function and right. all that stuff. Uh, but now that we know better, we're realizing this. And now we have an opportunity to teach our kids. And, you know, my kids are light years ahead of where I was about understanding what proteins yes. and fats and carbs do. They still reach for like the candy, of, of course. course. They're still gonna want the candy. But there's but also
0: there is something to that of like mm-hmm. as parenting style, right? Like you can't be a not you can't be against it the other way either. Yeah, there has it just to be turns a balance. into a religion. Correct. It turns
1: you become dogmatic about it, it turns into religion and then the kids wanna rebel – and you know you can't you can't keep them from you know quote unquote sinning right by eating the junk food you know, they're gonna want to taste I the love food. that you said <laughs> it like that
0: oh my yeah, god some well, people
1: turn it into a religion and then it yep. just kind of backfires on them and so right. you have to let go of that control but you're in charge of educating now yeah. that we know better we've educated ourselves we can pass on the education to our kids so that maybe one day when they do start caring about it right you know, it, it's not in the teenage years yet that I've found with my kids but some point they're going to look back and be like oh yeah my dad was teaching me about macros what, what is right. that oh yeah protein that's good for building muscle and yeah. you know healthy strong bones yeah
0: we have a 16 year old that it, she's she gets up every morning and makes eggs oh, and awesome. it's because she's learned that it helps her function it helps her think better yeah she's yeah. legitimately said that to us. So we're like, "Okay, great." I was very worried. Now I'm now I'm not so much. Yeah, it's kicking in. Well, let's go back to I sure. really want to know when okay. you started trying to lose the weight.
1: Yes. Okay. And so cuz that's
0: really where you said you started to feel the empathy and yeah. did it You know, just a really quick question because you were always you were always pretty lean. Was it easy? Did it just fall off really fast?
1: That's a good question. So even before I started to lose weight, I did develop empathy before that. And I'll describe how and why. And then I'll jump into okay, losing cool. the weight. Yes. Um, first of all, there was an identity crisis for me the first time being overweight. So I was, my identity was my body image. I was Drew the fit guy in my Hi. mind. And so when I became overweight, I kind of had a freak out moment, moments where I was not so uncomfortable being overweight. I wanted to explain to strangers that I didn't know why I was overweight. Because I didn't want them thinking that, oh, here's this overweight guy. But I'm like, no, I'm not overweight. I'm just doing this as an experiment. This isn't what you think it is. So like, you're
0: like <laughs> trying to tell everybody. <laughs> yes, because I went through
1: this identity crisis, right? Yeah. And that's where I started to realize that, oh, I'm, I, I, like, my body image is my self-image. And that's that's not good. That's right. not good. And that happens for a lot of people who also grew up overweight. Their body image is attached to their self-image. 100%. And, and that's why a lot of them end up getting the weight back. Because even if they lose the weight... Their identity hasn't shifted. And so that I started to open up my eyes and realize that, oh, okay, th- if this is happening to me, this probably happens to other people too. And, and that's where I started to realize that I am, we are more than our bodies. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then getting to my heaviest at 75 pounds overweight.
0: So what does that put you at? Two, I
1: was 263 at my heaviest. <gasps> okay. 263, okay. I think. Or 269. Sorry. 269 pounds. Wow. 269.
0: Yeah. And you're how tall? 6'2". Six, 6'2". Two. Six, two. Okay. Yeah, this
1: is a lot of weight. 75 yep. pounds in six months is not yeah, that's, <laughs> a lot. Well, especially and yeah, it's pure fat. Tiring. And it's not bodybuilding, bulking phase. It's not like where I was lifting weights. I was zero exercise. So it was all fat. Right. Crazy. Yeah. Um, And then I had to flip the switch and cold turkey, start losing the weight. Yeah. Right. And those first two weeks were like the worst two weeks I've ever experienced because I was like, here I am eating healthy food yep. again, thinking that, oh, I'm going to feel great. And I felt like crap. Right. Um, The mood swings, the headaches, uh, you know, the grumpiness, the uh, feeling starving. The food didn't taste as good as as it used to taste. And so my body was almost fighting back against me. And it was like I was going through these withdrawal symptoms where I'm like, what's going on here? I'm supposed to feel good. Like on day one, my first salad. Right. I should feel good. (laughs) You know, but instead I'm feeling miserable. I'm feeling hungry. And I started to realize like this light bulb went off like, oh this is what my clients have been telling me when I give them a meal plan and say, here you go, be perfect at this. Mm-hmm. And then their body's fighting against them because they're trying to get off drugs in a sense.
0: Exactly. They're trying
1: to go through these withdrawal symptoms. And I, it clicked for me finally where I'm like, oh, this is what they're talking about. And then that's where I started to develop the empathy. Like, oh, okay, now I understand how hard it is because it's not just as simple as willpowering your way through it. I was able to just because I had the accountability of you know, thousands of people watching me on, online right. So like, oh, I actually well, because when it.
0: did, so when did that start? Because you, when did you start finally getting people, or like when did people oh. start getting super interested? And so now you had a big crowd watching yeah, you.
1: It happened when I went on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and how did she, you <laughs> even get that?
0: When <laughs> did, did that happen?
1: That happened uh, actually towards the beginning of my journey. I did this like free press release. And okay, just reached out to as many people as possible. Didn't think anything would happen. But the producer of the Tanisha with Jay Leno reached out and be like, hey, this might be an interesting story. Let me interview you. They interviewed me for, like, a couple months. They saw that I was getting the weight. They're like, okay, uh, in October, which was kind of um, maybe, like, a month away from my heaviest, so, like, okay. five months in, they're like, let's bring Drew on. He's going to be pretty big, noticeably big, right? Because, like, 20, 30 pounds, I could hide pretty easy. Sure. Uh, 50, 60 pounds, you can't hide. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, they brought me on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Chelsea Handler was there. She was like the person sitting next to me. And that's kind of like how it happened. And right. from, uh, from there, even before that, what happened as well was I got picked up on Yahoo.com. So my story was published by like a food, uh, not a food blogger, but like a fitness blogger. Okay. And it, it showed up on their website. And then Yahoo, a subsidiary picked it up like Yahoo Shine and then got so much traction so Yahoo. in other words
0: this is all just meant to be for sure i guess so yeah, yeah you were no yeah. you yeah. were definitely meant to do this i can tell this is this was this is a really cool story so yeah. i mean yeah you were definitely meant to do this
1: yeah well thank you and you know i was definitely very fortunate with how yeah. things happened. but like that happened and then after it went on yahoo.com that's when every tv show called every dr oz good morning america today show they're all like Fighting to have me on it was crazy, crazy, yeah, and so and so I did the whole media tour at, at my heaviest,
0: and oh my goodness, yeah, yeah and
1: then I got the book deal, okay. then the book deal turned into a, a TV show reached out to me and said, or a production company out of l a said they want to do a TV show based on this journey, Wow, and that's where the, the anything happened and that's so cool blah blah, blah. that's yeah. cool <laughs> okay,
0: so you were so, so you were kind of in this, you're learning the empathy, and you're starting to see where your clients kind of, you know, going into the whole, um, aspect of you kind of being the fit guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and you having that mindset, it's so funny because for me, I was so the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like I was the chubby girl yeah. and it has taken years for me to get that out of my mind. Yeah. And to, I realized that for many years, I always reacted to everything based as the chubby girl, even when I lost weight and, yeah. And, you know, there was a time in high school where I, you know, I I remember walking into the bathroom and it was my mom's bathroom and I mean, it just had mirrors everywhere and I was at the heaviest I'd ever been and Mm -hmm. I needed to take a shower. And I remember (laughs) like taking all my clothes off, standing in front of the mirror and just dropping to the floor and crying because I was so, I was so intensely upset about where I was and had no clue how to... I just had no clue what to do or how to get out of it. Yeah. Um, But it's interesting when leading forward and going into the career that I've had, um, even to this day... I have these clients that I'm like looking at and going, it's okay. I got you. I hear you. I hear you. But then there's that part of me that jumps in that now knows the other way, right? Mm -hmm. And knows how bad it makes, made me feel. And I want to encourage them, but they just keep making these choices that just continue. And so I think, you know, going into, did you continue to train after? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, um, a little bit. Things shifted for me, obviously. Of course. Because I actually stopped training. So I had a full-time job in the medical field. Okay. And I was a part-time personal trainer. So a lot okay. of people don't know that. But I was personal training, part-time on the side. I was just doing Craigslist ads, you know. Okay. And then when Fit to Fit to Fit started, I decided to stop training. And this is a funny reason, but because I felt like I would be tempted to exercise while training clients in the gym, and yeah. I couldn't do it, yeah. And that would be very, very hard for me. So I stopped training one on one, focused on my medical job, and then when Fit to Fit to Fit took off after all the attention I got, I got the book deal. Then I quit my job in the medical field and did Fit to Fit to Fit full time. And then after I lost the weight, which did not fall off, by the way, it was definitely yeah. I mean, going back to off, that, I did lose seventy five pounds in six months. Yes, was it easy? No. Okay. Um, I didn't do anything extreme. I worked out like forty five minutes a day, five days a week.
0: Were you already on keto?
1: Okay. keto wasn't really round back in 2011. i know
0: right okay
1: uh more of like a, i would say a modified paleo okay ish um in a sense and you know six small meals a day your typical
0: would you do me a favor and just kind of explain really quick a difference between paleo and keto people sure. ask this to me all the time so i would love to have yeah
1: yeah keto is a, is a metabolic state that you enter into when you run out of food or if you limit glucose which is right. carbohydrates so it's a metabolic state your body can enter into. For, it's like your body's backup system if you run out of food. Have you, you ever
0: can, done the pee sticks? Yeah, there's different <laughs> ways of testing. Okay. That's not very accurate, though. I don't. I don't think so that. either. Yeah.
1: Blood measuring your blood is the cold is the gold standard way of doing it. Right. Um, paleo is a way of eating that kind of ties into how our ancestors ate. What was available to them at the time? They didn't have McDonald's. They didn't have fast food. You know, they didn't have these processed foods. So it kind of gets away from all the processed foods. So it's more about the quality food that you eat. You know, keeping it as as close to nature as you possibly can. Right. So meats, fruits, vegetables, um, you know, nuts, seeds, berries, whatever you can, you know, hunt and gather pretty yeah. much. And so it's a way of eating. You can still do keto in a paleo sense by limiting berries and, you know, things that have a lot of uh, glucose in them, sugar, um, but that does, doing paleo doesn't mean you're going to be in a state of ketosis. Right. that makes sense? Right.
0: Well, and if you have any, if you have any questions about, about keto, remember that I'm with Drew who has written a book (laughs) about keto. So I would definitely pick it up because that's, I mean, it, it, it's interesting because there's so many diets out there and, and I think that people get confused. I think that people, I have people all the time that are like, oh, I just don't know what to do. And I don't know what, (laughs) and I was saying something the other day is even down to age, Um, especially, uh, especially with women, I just, I just put up a post the other day about there are things that happen with the, you know, with your, um, you know, menopause, perimenopause, all of that, that with age, a lot of things happen. And so you really, really need need to kind of keep up on the blood work to make sure the hormones are in the place that they are, because a lot of times it can be extremely frustrating for, for women when they get to a certain place. Yeah. and they're not losing yeah. and it doesn't matter what they're doing and yeah. and they can be as golden and on it as possible but if they're within i would say the age range for me with my clientele has been like between 35 and 70 yeah. even there is kind of a there is kind of a a, a sense of um you know, finding in your town, kind of finding a naturopath doctor that will be willing to kind of walk you through these, you know, these hormone levels, you know, and everything. Cause if you have too much estrogen or too much testosterone or too little of either, it can really send you off, you know, and do those kind of things. So anyway, just a really quick clip of if you want to find out about keto, you know, that kind of thing, but yeah, go on.
1: Yeah. So, um, Shoot, where was it? Where well, were you were <laughs> kind <laughs> of, ta-
0: I really wanted to know like whether it was difficult for you to lose the weight. Um, but then you also ended up doing it twice. Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe differentiating between the two journeys. And I think
0: happened. that's important because you're, you cl- how much time was between those two?
1: Almost yeah, 10 years, almost like nine yeah. years or so.
0: So you were how old at the first one? 31. 31. 40. 40. Yeah, Whoa, okay. so I did it
1: twice. So, so losing the weight the first time, I didn't use keto. It was mostly paleo-ish approach, right? Five small meals a day, protein at every meal, kind of thing, and um, <clears throat> that worked. I lost the weight and got back to fit you know, and yeah. then fast forward nine years, I did this journey again. Okay. Why?
0: <laughs> yes. Why? Please yes, tell me, why Drew. would I do this again?
1: <laughs> I swore I would never do it again, by the way. I swore I would never do it. Really? It so, so, okay, hard. wait,
0: why? What, what was, like, give me the one big thing that would say, I don't want to do this again.
1: It was freaking hard physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and all. more levels. emotionally,
0: more, more spiritually, more emotionally,
1: but also physically to, okay. to, to be 75 pounds overweight and not feel healthy for six months is like, yeah, the food tastes good, but you feel miserable. Yeah. You feel awful. And it affects you more than you think. It affects, especially in your relationships. That's what I learned on my second journey. And I'll get into that in a second.
0: I do want to get into that. I'm yeah. excited about that. Okay.
1: So the first journey I did, I was married at the time. We had two kids. little. They were very little at that time. Um, and then our marriage ended in 2015. So years after the, so it had nothing to do with me gaining weight. That's what I want okay, to make sure. Okay. My, my wife okay. did not leave me because I got fat. Okay. <laughs> like She's not, she's a very nice person and we get along to this oh, day. Oh, that's and, funny. Um, By
0: the way, I love that. I love you. that you get along thank and you. I'll, I'll go into that a little bit later, but yes, I want to know.
1: Sure. Um, But it did affect our relationship. It really did. Um, And then fast forward to when I was 40, I was divorced, but in a relationship had a girlfriend. My girls were older, you know, they were like eight and ten, or nine and eleven uh, yeah. during that phase. And here I am thinking, Oh, I got this. I've done this before. Like, it's not gonna be that hard. Like, I can do this. And I was only doing it for you four. You had months. forgotten That's <laughs> yeah. all. That's it's all. Kind all of like a pregnant g- woman. <laughs> exactly. She's like, I think I can have another baby. I don't it wasn't that bad. I was then- <laughs> totally gonna say that. I'm
0: like, you totally <laughs> forgot. You did a pregnant woman thing where it's like, yeah. I can do this. And then you go, What in the yeah. heck was I thinking? Okay.
1: And so this time I the structure was different. I did it for four months and f- of gaining, four months of losing instead of six months, because that's the format of the TV show that we did. Okay. We did four months um, gaining four months of losing and the structure was different i wanted to educate people as much as possible plus social media had changed so much no one really saw very few people saw the journey as it happened right people had heard about it after the fact because they went on all these tv shows but there was no facebook live there was no insta stories there was no tiktok there was no right instagram wasn't even around when i first did it and so there wasn't this constant you know daily check-in with drew like what's what's he eating today and how's he (laughs) eating today and So I felt like doing it again. And then in 2020, there was a lot of division in the world
0: because of like everything
1: that was happening. And my message ever since the first journey was one of empathy and how this world needs more empathy, especially in the fitness industry. And so I was feeling called to do it a second time where people could actually follow me this time around. And I have a bigger platform, a much bigger platform than I did the first time. And it can make it more educational, more impactful. And like you said, as you get older, things change. They do, And it's not as easy as it used to be. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to show people in their 40s plus to show them like, yeah, it, it might be harder. Your metabolism changes, your hormones change, but it's still possible and we're going to do it together. So I'm going to do it as a 40-year-old. You're going to see me do it. You can do it with me. Nice. And so that was kind of the the idea behind it uh, of why I did it a second time. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so I did it and um, once again had a, a good serving of humble pie uh, where I – Uh, I thought it wasn't affecting me, but it did because here's what happens when you eat unhealthy food This is a good educational piece for people when you eat unhealthy food like junk food You feel like okay, that's gonna make me gain weight. Cool If that's all it did that wouldn't be that bad If all it did was make you gain fat on your body It wouldn't be that bad, but it affects your sleep which affects your hormones Which affects your energy levels which affects your ability to handle stress Throughout the day, whether it's stress from your kids, stress from your spouse, stress from your relationship, stress from business, your fuse gets shorter and shorter. So your ability to handle stress is diminished because throughout the day, you're constantly bad. You're eating all this junk food, which makes you feel good temporarily, but then you crash Mm -hmm. and then you need to feel good again. So you need another hit of that drug. So you're constantly having to refeed yourself with these junk foods that that create this vicious cycle of addiction and dependency. And your energy levels are fluctuating throughout the day and you're not showing up your best self anyone Mm -hmm. that's had a kid out there that's tried to like survive (laughs) the newborn baby that does not sleep through the night you're not your best self let's be honest you're not your best self when you're like not sleeping through the night and so eating this type of food affects your sleep levels it really does i tracked my data um using my whoop device i did blood work with my doctor and it's crazy how much it affects you and so I went through a really bad breakup in the middle of my journey. Right, I was like a, a month away from from finishing my weight gaining phase. Okay, and an, an unexpected breakup happened, and it was sudden. It was ugly. It was not good. Right. And it it was it, it threw a whole nother level of stress on me. Right. Of like, okay, well, I can't quit my journey. I have to still do this thing. Mm-hmm. And but my heart was broken. I was sad. I was lonely. I was depressed. And that's where. I realized how powerful the emotional connection to food is. Because at this point, before I was eating the food to gain the weight, now I was eating the food to comfort myself. And this is where so many people get stuck because they go through the emotional pains of life. And as humans, we don't like to feel any kind of pain. We want to get out of the pain as quickly as possible. So we look for numbing mechanisms or distractions Mm -hmm. to get us out of that. And the most common ones are, I would say, is food, alcohol, drugs, there's all kinds of distractions that we have available to us, but food is the most accessible because yep. it's, it's not illegal. You don't have to go sneak around on, you know, the corner asking people if they have any yep. Doritos or, or Pringles. I know. <laughs>
0: I tell people this all the time. I mean, you know, it is interesting because you have this, like, alcohol, mm-hmm. okay, I can, I can just not be around alcohol, yep. but you can't just not be around food. Yes. That's just not even an option. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Yeah. It's super accessible and it does the trick. It does what these right. other substances do where it temporarily gives you um, some positive feelings. Dopamine feels good to your brain. It really does. Mm-hmm. So this little dopamine hit you get from Ben and Jerry's ice cream or a glass of wine or a Twinkie or a piece of cake or chocolate, whatever it is. And then guess what? You can have access to that multiple times a day. Right. So you're feeling the emotional pains of life from a breakup, a divorce, bankruptcy, finances, stress, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And guess what? We create these little dependencies by reaching for these substances. And that's why so many people struggle to lose weight and keep it off. is because when they go on a weight loss journey, they think, okay, I just got to eat this food. But right. the emotions of life don't go away. Those hard emotions, those painful emotions are still going to be there. And it's hard for people to sit in the uncomfortableness of those feelings and just, you know, let that those uncomfortable feelings teach them something. They want to run away from it. They want to distract themselves from it and numb that right. pain. So that's why food becomes that numbing mechanism, and it's really hard to break that cycle. Right. It's like telling a drug addict, like, hey, stop doing drugs. Just don't do them anymore. Well, it's like, okay, I you hear you. You put up something the
0: other day, and I remember I, I – te- I, uh, messaged you and I said, because uh, you put up the quote, people are not addicted to alcohol or drugs, they are addicted to escaping reality.
1: It's so true. Yeah. It's, and that's the, 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 the mechanism that they use, yeah. is the drugs or the alcohol. They're not addicted to that. They're addicted to, yeah, numbing the the reality that they're feeling.
0: So let's go a little, even deeper. Sure. Um, you know, I know that you, just from the little research I've even mm-hmm. done in the last couple of days, I have loved some of the things I found because you're very similar to me in the fact that a lot of it comes from being just vulnerable mm-hmm. and we are extremely uncomfortable being vulnerable. Yeah. It's just not an option for a lot of us. It is it, the, um, you know, I did jujitsu for a long time and, and our biggest thing was being uncomfortable, uncomfortable, right. Is yeah. the whole process <laughs> of yeah. jujitsu. It's like being uncomfortable or being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Yes. So it's interesting because, you know, we end up, we end up battling all of these emotions and I, this weekend, I actually had a huge breakthrough of um, just kind of uh, really was able to grab the idea of resist nothing, mm-hmm. meaning resist nothing of what I'm feeling. Yeah. But when I deal with clients on a daily basis, it's, you know, it is amazing because there's sometimes just not a connection of this this is why I'm I'm doing this because I have these emotional layers that I actually haven't worked through, yep. and I have this emotional pain. So whatever is in our unconscious yeah. has not been brought up to the conscious, right? Yeah. And it's about being vulnerable to get in and dig deep there. And unfortunately, a lot of times we're just not ready, yep. right? And so do you feel like... Like, if I can ask you a question, like when you were going through this, and obviously it must have been an extremely vulnerable place, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you feel like there was one thing in particular that you felt like you needed to really work through, or what was the biggest thing that you needed to work through, or was it just a combination of a bunch of things, you know?
1: Yeah, uh, there's there's always something to work on. As humans, there's always going to be something to work on. And this is why, you know, physical transformation is not just physical. Um, you know, you and I could teach people how to work out properly and how to eat healthy and do all the physical things we know where they're supposed to do. But until that person figures out how to do the inner work, the physical stuff is going to be, you know, that much more difficult to accomplish until they learn how to deal with the inner work. So for me, you know, yeah, there were still things I need to work on. That's why I went to therapy, had a life coach, big fan of meditation, journaling, Mm. gratitude list, getting out in nature, walking, um, Reflecting, and if you know, really, really dedicated to doing the work on myself mm-hmm. to figure out what what I need to do to you know get through this pain, but also letting that pain be there, not numbing it, uh, to teach me something. The cure for pain is in the pain. I think Rumi was the one who said that. The yep. cure for pain is in the pain, but we run away from the pain. We distract ourselves from the pain. We numb the pain. We don't want to learn from it because it's too uncomfortable. And you brought up a good point of training your brain to become comfortable in uncomfortable situations. That right there is the key to any kind of transformation. Right. Physical transformation, financial, spiritual transformation, getting uncomfortable and being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's what's really hard for so many people. And because we've created this life of comfort. Mm-hmm. We have air conditioning if it's too hot. We have a heater if it's too cold. We have hot water, warm water, we have, you know, all kinds of like foods and supplements and like, you know, soft clothes and beds right. and cars and like all these things that if you have any kind of discomfort. Here's a pill. Here's a thing f- to make it go away. Right. Versus like sitting there and the pain and the uncomfortableness and saying, okay, what is this here to teach me? Right. And so, yeah, when I went through my my breakup, I had to sit there in the the pain of that and let it teach me something. Now, I did numb for a while with the food and the alcohol for sure. Okay. I did numb, um, and I was aware of that. Even though I know how to work through it, but sometimes, you know, being human is the whole human experience is to to experience that and like right. realize that even if you have all the tools, you know what you're supposed to do. There's right. going to be times where you're going to be like, screw it. I don't care. Like, I'm just, uh, you know, I'll meditate, but I'm just I'm still going to eat the Ben and Jerry's ice cream.
0: And I think sometimes those are valuable.
1: And yes, it is yeah. valuable. And it's a part of this journey. It's a part of this experience. And people.
0: It makes you human, especially. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying to people that struggle with that. It's OK to not be OK. It's OK to mess up and screw up and like not make the right decision even if you are you know woke and you are aware of all these things you're still going to be human you're still going to have tendencies to do things you know isn't the best thing for you but in the moment we're going to sometimes choose the you know the the the, the, yeah the quick easy fix Mm -hmm. and that's okay you learn from it you grow from it but bringing it up to your conscious level is super important Instead of keeping it deep down there where you don't want to be aware of it, because to be aware of it is to have to do something about it, which means you have to get uncomfortable. And you're like, ah,
0: yeah, I have to do
1: this work and it's going to suck. It's going to be hard. It's like, you know, when you gain 15 pounds and and you want to lose weight, you know, you're going to have to do these things to lose the weight. Right it's still going to be hard.
0: And then you add relationships into the mix and then you've got multiple layers and you've got, (laughs) you've got all of these things to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, Like, I mean, it's no, and then like you said, you know, and for me, the last probably six to, you know, six to eight years, um, even just with society and just Mm -hmm. with, All politically, religiously, like all of those things really threw me for a loop. And so even though, I mean, and then you just add the pandemic to the whole thing and it's like crazy. And I will say just for anybody Mm -hmm. who's thinking this, the pandemic, I mean, I even because of the whole book stuff for me and then also the business I got the softest I'd ever been in it since I was a high schooler, yeah. you know, and it was it was such a frustrating thing for me because even though I'd worked through all of that, it was a very frustrating thing for me to experience that again because I hadn't been there in so long. The one thing that I will say is that's different is that um, I had worked through those those places in my life of, okay, I need to be uncomfortable in these situations. And I need to just allow that I don't have time right now to get a full workout in. I have this amount of time and I can get to it. And a lot of it is just getting into the conscious brain. I I just need to show up, you know? Yep. And everything like that. So but back to you. So you mm-hmm. in the second process, you now had been going through a breakup. And so did you have trouble? <laughs> okay. So we've got the the weight to lose yeah. now. Yes. Oh boy. Yeah. And now you're 40.
1: Yep. And now I'm 40. And so here's the thing. Was I worried or nervous? Not so much the second time. I kind of knew and trusted my body would do its thing, even though I was older. And plus I did, I was using a different protocol. I was doing keto and intermittent fasting this time around. So I was like, I wonder how my body's going to respond. Um, and so, you know, there was a little part of me that was worried, like, okay, what if I'm stuck like this? The first journey, what if I'd stuck like this? I I love that that you thought
0: that. It's (laughs) like, (laughs) what if I get stuck like this? That's hilarious. And it
1: was more of a fear of the first journey. I will admit that like the first journey, I was like, I have never been this overweight. What if my body just like likes it and it's like hey we're gonna chill here for a little bit
0: <laughs> like yeah like we
1: like this you know but you what know, about
0: stretch marks did you, did you worry I, about that yeah but okay. I didn't
1: I, you know it's all genetic I didn't know if it was gonna happen or not okay and I was fortunate not to have nice that. but who knows if I would have kept it on for six years or gained 120 pounds who knows it, yeah. it, it could I could have gotten stretch marks right but you know I my skin is a little bit looser I have noticed that um Versus back in the day, no one's going to notice it except for me. Like I was going to say, yeah. Like, yeah, dude.
0: Like <laughs> <laughs> No, don't we don't notice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you guys can't
1: notice this loose skin right now? No. You? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those things I have to always remind myself. Like, the way I see myself versus the way other people see me is totally different. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens to a lot of people. A lot of it's in your head. Like, oh, my right. gosh, people see me this way and other people are like, dude, you look normal. Like, you but look I great. think that's
0: also what I liked about mm-hmm. – because. Um, I just saw that you had had that breakup and you did that video and stuff. What I liked about that was that um, I do think that sometimes people will see you or they see whoever and yeah. they think, oh, life is fabulous and great yeah. and, you know, all this. And, but you're showing that, no, life is yeah. messy and yeah. life is unpredictable sometimes. And, and part, of, part of us getting our, 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 our health in order – is just so that we have that one up on, on life where we can have all of our processes in our body going the right way so that we can delve into life situations with a, a better brain, a better, yeah. you know, a, a just, you know what I'm saying? Yep, I do. Yeah,
1: yeah and that's a, that was a big part of that second fit to fat to fit experiment was yeah. going through the breakup. It really taught me the power of emotional eating and why people get stuck there.
0: Now, I think you changed the name to fit to fat to. F- 40?
1: Yeah. Okay. Just cause I was turning 40 yeah. and wanted to differentiate it. We could have called it fit to fat to fit 2.0, but okay, it's a little bit longer, yeah. you know, but no, I liked
0: fit to fat to 40 because I'm, I'm there. So yeah. I was yeah. like, let's go.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I learned a lot of valuable lessons doing it, uh, not just once, but twice, both, both lesson, both journeys taught me a lot of valuable lessons on the emotional aspect of weight loss. And yeah. so that's the thing is I have no regrets doing it. Um, even though it made my life a living hell and
0: depression,
1: yeah, I, I would say closer on the second one, closer okay. to depression. Um, but I wouldn't say I did experience my first bout of depression actually just this past year. Okay, and I don't know if like we have time to get into that, but um, that was it. We'll just totally have to separate. do this again because yeah, I yeah, love it. To totally hear, separate yeah, from this journey. Me too. Yeah, um, I got it. It's totally separate. It really is. But yeah, I was pretty pretty down. I was pretty down during this phase mm-hmm. food became my best friend uh, for a little while. And then I had to flip the switch and then I had to do the things I was telling people that they had to do to lose the weight. And that's the thing is doing something together as a community is way more powerful than saying, I'm going to lose weight by myself. That's cool. But it, there's something empowering about doing it with a community of people that have the, a similar goal. And like realizing like, Hey, here's day one. We're all doing this workout together Yeah, from strangers from across the world. They don't even know each other or we're all doing the same. Like, here's that's our cool. meals for the day. Here's our workout for the day. Here's our meditation for the day. Like, here's what we're, you know, journaling about or awesome. gratitude list. Like, we're all doing that together. So that's what made the second journey powerful. Now, you know, throwing in keto, intermittent fasting, different protocols in there, my body did respond pretty well where I was able to lose the four, uh, the weight in the, uh, the 62 pounds I gained in four months. Yep. Um, but it wasn't easy. I struggled. It was definitely hard. And even towards the end of it, I did feel miserable. Part of me was like, I hate being strict. So strict where, and this is what why I know a lot of people hate weight loss and transformation is because there's parts of it where you're just like, I'm doing all this work for such minimal results. And it's mm-hmm. so hard because like you give up a lot of your, you know, social life or happiness to, mm-hmm. to, you know, look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, is that the most important thing? Probably not. You realize you know, it's not that important, you know, yeah. but you think it is and you want it to happen and you, you want it to be easier than it is. It's not an easy process. Right. But I understand I have so much empathy for people that struggle with weight loss and the pressures of society to fit in and be a certain way, yeah. look a certain way just so that people will like you. Right. And this is why I'm a huge proponent of teaching people how to love themselves now, right. even though they're not perfect, even though like when you looked in your mi- in the mirror and you were just so uncomfortable, yeah. like I would want to Reach out to that girl and be like, "You're okay. Like it's okay. Like you're still love. You're enough the way you are." And then you want part to lose weight, work. cool. Yeah, but learn how to love yourself now, because right. even if you do lose the weight, it doesn't mean you're going to be happy. It doesn't mean you're going to love yourself. I more. did
0: deal with that, and I, I, you know, okay, so I, I being heavy, and then I lost a little bit of weight based on kind of what I was eating. And then I started to get into working out and, and then I had babies (laughs) and I had two babies. And, but I kind of, I had made a point, my mom had always told me that, that when she got pregnant, that's when she gained all of her weight. So I was panicked when I was like going through that process. And so I said, okay, I'm going to be really good. So throughout both of my pregnancies, I did zero sugar. Wow. Yeah. It's impressive. I did zero yeah, sugar. I stayed with it. He, <laughs> yeah. I I stayed with it and I just did zero sugar. I ate super well. I did no cheat days throughout ten months of wow. pregnancy. Crazy. Um and so I didn't gain a lot of weight. I felt really mm. energetic. Mm-hmm. I, I I felt extremely like I mean, I was in my third trimester and I'm walking up the stairs with big baskets of laundry and I was felt I just felt really good. Yeah. After And I lost, um, afterwards, I didn't have that much weight to lose, but, but here's the funny part is I'd already been there, done Mm -hmm. that. And, and I already had that mentality before. And so what's interesting is I got the fittest I'd ever been after I had babies, Mm -hmm. but I know I'm now going into a whole different arena of stuff. So basically, even when I got in my thirties, the fittest I'd ever been, Um, I ha- it, the brain was still there. It yeah. still wasn't enough and it still wasn't, you know? Yeah. And so it caused me to have to go through a lot more of the deeper work there. Yeah. And really looking back at the girl that was that girl in front of the mirror crying yeah. and really talk to her and say, you are a beautiful person inside and doing everything that you... The thing of it is, is that we get so caught up and I think we forget to remind the little the the child within us that you're okay and I love that you said that because that is one of the works right that's one of the things to do is to remind ourselves that we're okay and that we can do this um I it's it's interesting because uh are you going to it is it gonna end up being a fit to fat to 50?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing Here's, here's the thing let me just say this I swore I would never do it again after the first one. Okay. And I ended up doing it. <laughs> so I'm not going to swear I'll never do it again, but I don't in the foreseeable future see it happening. I just really don't. I don't yeah. see any other reason to do it again. I It was miserable doing it the first time and the second time. And I think I've learned so many lessons from doing it. And I I don't know. it it With your health, I did have a doctor monitor me throughout. My body was able to like hold up pretty well, but... You know, my kids—they made me promise I would never do it again. They didn't like it, so.
0: Well, so like okay, so Matthew McConaughey lost a lot of weight for yes. his um. What was million,
1: that? Or the million dollar club or.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, the Dallas Buyers Dallas Club. Dallas Buyers
1: Club, sorry. Yeah, um, no, and,
0: Club. Yeah. He, and I remember reading an article that said that he he got to levels where he would reach certain levels and um, his body would just sit there and he yeah. wouldn't be able to lose more. And so he felt like he was going to die, yeah. like trying to get to those next levels. Yeah. Um, w- I have been watching For All Mankind and this Kay. character on For All Mankind, it's on Apple TV. It's yeah. really good. So if you haven't watched it, it's really good. Yeah. It's kind of one of those unsung shows, I okay. think, that are happening right now okay. that you need to take a look at it's really interesting okay um but one of the characters on there his name is gordo he gained a bunch <laughs> of weight in <laughs> the second episode okay. or in the second season sure. and i immediately was like did he actually you know i was like googling it did yeah. you actually lose or gain the weight yeah. and he did wow but i read an article that said he hated it he will never ever do it again he said that it was so he didn't realize and it was it sounded so similar to what you just said um about how you felt with that yeah your eyes? so oh, no, it, it's uh you know he felt it's so similar he just felt this really impending doom he felt that it was just depressing that yeah. he even looked like that. he'd never been above 170 i guess yeah and so and he only got to 220 i think it was and so it's interesting because people (laughs) have done this before and it is i think a lot of us who have been overweight before are looking at people like that going i could never (laughs) i think about gaining 40 pounds and i'm like oh my goodness that would be such a it would be it would be a lot It is, and it's
1: not easy. It's not easy just to do it. um, You know, for sure, there's a lot that goes into it. So I don't foresee it happening again. So I think we can, yeah, you can nip that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
0: (laughs) but you've been speaking at a lot of different places, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, how that's how you're like going to Vegas next week?
1: Yeah, Vegas. uh, uh, So I used to do a lot of public speaking before the pandemic happened. Okay. Um, Yeah, I would travel around, speak at all kinds of events, and I love being on stage. I love public speaking. To be honest, oh, that's good. And it's, 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 I love, um, engaging with people in person. Social media yeah. is cool, but it's different when you see like, there's a person behind that profile picture, but you don't really get to connect with them being right. on stage and like talking to people afterwards is invigorating. It's fulfilling to my soul to be up on stage and do something like that. So yes, this year is kind of like a comeback of more public speaking. Nice. And so, Good. yeah, um, yeah, I was in Arizona. I go to Vegas. Do and you like the travel? I do. You do. I do like to travel. Yeah, yep, I love it. It kind of makes me feel alive. I went to South Africa this year. That was awesome, amazing. That was one of my bucket list places to go. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, and and hopefully more travel after this. Well,
0: I was going to say, like, you've got. I mean, you've got so much stuff coming up. I'm sure there's going to be more travel. But you did move back to the Big Island. Yes, I
1: live here now. So that's, that's why exciting. Where we're doing this podcast. I love it. So cool. I was yeah. so excited.
0: <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, th- well, and what's interesting is. I kind of felt that you were your dad, your dad lived here. My dad's
1: from this island. He was born and raised here. He's part Hawaiian. His dad was born and raised here too. Okay. But over in Hilo.
0: Oh, okay. That's where they're from. Okay. Did you know you wanted to come back to the other side?
1: No, not until, so my ex-wife and I moved here in 2015 during our divorce. Mm -hmm. um, And we decided to get away from Utah and come here and live here. Utah. You were living in Utah. We were living in Utah. So we wanted to get out of the culture for a little bit. Come here, go, like heal ourselves individually, mm-hmm. which is what happened. She, she ended up falling in love with it out here, and we unfortunately had to move back to Utah uh, after about a year. And um, and then the stars aligned for her and her husband, her new husband, our two girls, and me to move back here, kind of awesome. together. Um, and yeah, so we're here for the foreseeable future. And um, but yeah, I do enjoy traveling.
0: Like well. One thing that I wanted to just yeah. delve into, if you have the time, I, the time. I wanted you. to delve into is, um, one, of the things, I think I just love your situation. Mm. <laughs> and I, I say that in a non mean way. <laughs> I, 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 I love that you're divorced. I love that no, you're sorry. divorced. <laughs> uh, no, but, um, what I was going to say is I'm from a divorce, mm. you know, parents yep. Ben is from, my husband is from divorced parents. Mm -hmm. And we often look at each other as we've gotten older. And neither one of us has the rock solid home to go to. Yeah. Right? We, 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 (laughs) we talk about that all the time. Like there's really no like base home um, and everything. But it's also like, I, we talk about all the time what it would have been like had our parents been able to (coughs) Make a relationship or a fresh a friendship work, and maybe not even a friendship. Yeah. Just make it cordial. Just yeah. make it just for the sake of the kids. And I just want to say, I give you <laughs> freaking props for that because yeah, that's I like fire. seriously.
1: Yeah. No, thank you. It, it took a lot of. This is what it's different. It's a generational thing. I think our parents' generation didn't have access to the same tools that we have you know, therapy, you know, was definitely looked at as taboo and weird. I think it's more normalized now and people, yeah, yeah it's more mainstream. Um, you know, I, both me and my ex were dedicated to doing the work on ourselves because we realized that if we don't do the work on ourselves, our kids are the ones that end up suffering. Right. So what happens is a lot of people's egos get in the way and want to make the other person suffer for whatever harm happened or bad things happened or who did what to who, like, it all comes down to your ego being hurt. And you're like, hey, how dare you do that to me? I'm going to Do this to you and I'm going to fight with uh, over, you know custody of the kids and 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 all those things and you know It it makes they think they're making the other person's life miserable, which is true But they also the kids are the ones that end up suffering the most. Yeah, so we both kind of like, you know Put our egos aside and uh, a good book. I recommend to everyone. It's called ego is the enemy Mm. Um, Definitely read that book by Ryan holiday It helps you put your ego in check and realize like, okay, this is my ego here I definitely can put that aside for the sake of you know uh, being able to be you know do christmas together like we do christmas together or our kids birthday parties we don't have to do separate birthday parties anymore um and or no sorry we don't have to do it sorry i'm just speaking in general like yeah we've always done them together but uh, you know uh, for other people right um yeah, it it like we've never had to do separate birthday parties or holidays. Right. Because we've always been dedicated to doing the work on ourselves. It's amazing. So that we can, you know, see each other as friends and like, hey, we're we're in this together to give our kids the best life possible.
0: I think sometimes people see the end result mm-hmm. um, and they see that you're happy and they see or, you know, people who manage to be able to do this. Yeah. I think my question is, was there ever a time where you didn't think it was going to work?
1: Like, like, like friends as friends Um, or like,
0: as did you, did you, was there a rough time or did you guys easily kind of make this leap or this transition?
1: That's a good question. We, so uh, we did it very unconventionally. We actually lived together after a divorce for a while. I read that. When When we moved here to Hawaii, we'd already made the decision to get divorced, but it's like, Hey, like you're not dating one. I'm not dating one. Like, let's just live together, save money. Yeah. and, you know, hang out with our girls. I think they were four and six at the time. And so that was different and unique, of course, and that kind of set the the pathway for us to say, hey, we're always going to be in this together. We're always going to be a family no matter what. Right. Um, sure, we've had rough moments, like with parenting styles and, you know, like um, little things. We, there's never been big drama. Like I've always trusted her. She's always trusted me. And, you know, we've never done anything to be like, I'm like intentionally doing something to hurt someone is, is obviously a trigger. So I'm the type of person that's that I'm not going to intentionally going to hurt her. She's not intentionally going to hurt me. And I think that's kind of what has helped our relationship, uh, you know, grow and evolve into what it is today where it's a good friendship. We co-parent really well. I get along with her husband there's no issues there. She that's like, was really good friends with my ex girlfriend. My ex girlfriend and her are actually still friends to this day.
0: Oh, nice. So,
1: like, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, hey, if you're gonna come into this unit, you got to be part of the team, right? And well, so because
0: we, and you know, as a parent, yeah. right? I mean, I think that the biggest thing is knowing when to bring somebody else in, how to handle that with your children. I mean, yeah. that's the scary part, right? Is yeah. you're bringing in a whole new everybody's got a whole vibe (laughs) that they bring in you've got a new vibe and and so having kids be able to be okay and do their processing um (laughs) while also like being okay with a new person in the family like that's that's an interesting that's a whole thing unto itself right
1: Yeah, it is. But it's one of those things that for me and for her, it works. It's what works for us. And we understand that there's different situations or different, you know, we have lots of friends who have been through ugly divorces. And it's like, oh, yeah, I get why you're hurt. Or I get why this, like, if that person did that to me, yeah, I can only imagine how much that would hurt. And that's why empathy, bringing this whole thing back to empathy. I love it. Being able to empathize with people, listening to understand them. Is is uh, something we've lost as humans? I think social media has made it harder to empathize because we see a post and we're like, "Oh, judge you. This is what you are because you posted this," and I'm going to label you like this. And then you're, and then that happens to them as well. They post something, people attack them. They're like, "They don't understand me." And you know, it, we're so quick to judge versus oh, being curious about why you are the way you are. And that's why I like uh, Oprah has a good book called um, "What Happened to You." Right. And it's like a, it's just reframing. She the just question. came out with that one, yeah, right? Yeah, it's yes. reframing the question of like, what's wrong with you? Why are you the way you are? Like, why don't why don't you just be normal? Why don't you just do these things? It's why what happened to you? Like, tell me about your story. Yes, Well that led to you becoming who you are today. And if people had that approach and just had that frame of question instead of what's wrong with you. Then it's like, I want to know your story because Brené Brown says it's hard to hate people up close. Right. It really is. Once you get to know someone's story and you sit across from them and hear their story, you're like, oh, I have a lot more respect for you. I can understand you so much more and I don't hate you now.
0: I say that all the time. I do. I say that all the time. I I think that one of my biggest things that I gave myself, it was my own little study, if you want to give it, (laughs) uh, when I started training – over a decade ago i decided that when people would walk through my door i didn't want them to hear all about me yeah i wanted to literally just be able to listen into and, and to just understand them to yeah. the depths of their soul now i've i've always just had the obsession with wanting to know the depths of people i mean i i, I one of my little taglines on this is uh, tell me everything because <laughs> yeah but that is but you cannot you cannot um you cannot have any diversity. Like if you do not surround yourself with people that are different than you, then there's no way to grow as a person. You're literally challenging yourself to stay in this little tiny bubble and you're not, you're not allowing yourself to really understand the depths of who people are and why they do what they do. And unfortunately that's where I think, you know, going into how you said, I think we listen Way we do not listen right now, yeah. in our in anything, yeah. right? And we're just so quick to have an opinion about everything. We have conversations with people where we're like, "Oh, what am I going to say next?" As yes. opposed to, <laughs> "What are they saying? And yeah. what is the importance of what they're saying?" And that's going to tell me a little bit about your soul. Yeah. And that's the fabulous part about life is that all of our souls are so different. Yeah. And yet we always want to try it. We we're all so different. But here's what I love about it is we're all like. Mm-hmm. We're all so different, but we're all, we are all the same in a way of, you know, just spiritually, we're all this, we're all here doing this thing. And yet we always want to find that thing that makes us different and just Mm. pick on that. And, and I think that's why going back to the beginning process of what we've been talking about this whole time, I think that's where the insecurities really arise for most people is that they don't feel heard. They don't feel listened to. And there have been moments in their lives where they've felt that so desperately that, again, we go towards food, we go towards alcohol, we go towards these things mm-hmm. that make us feel like we have a friend. Yeah. And, you know, and so I, you know, that's actually a good place, I think, to leave it is yeah. that we, you know, kind of roundabout way of just, I think, just listening to yourself and listening, uh, going back to Brene Brown, yes. I don't know if you've watched her HBO thing. Not yet, quite yet. but I will, Okay. Alice of the
1: Hurt. Well, I've only watched yeah. the
0: first one, okay. and so so I'll watch it with you. But okay. no, it's one of those things where um, she, she said, and I 100% agree with her, is that if you don't know yourself, then how are you going to know other people? <laughs>
1: it's true. Right? Yeah, it's so true.
0: It is so true. And so I think a lot of us walk around with all of these. We've got these armor, the armor on. All the time. Yep. And so I think that what you and I have always felt a calling to do is to help people understand why that armor is there and yeah. maybe hopefully try and get underneath it a little bit. Yep. You know? Yeah. Would I you say that. that?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think we're in the work of doing that. Yes, we help people transform in different ways. But, yeah, for me, it's like if I can make people feel less broken yes. and, and realize that it's okay to be who you are, and mm-hmm. take the mask off. Like it's scary, but we need to normalize that and yeah. um, you know, give people permission to be have the courage to do that. Yeah. That's what's hard, is like our society doesn't give people permission. It kind of right. makes fun of them or points fingers at them and then people get scared to take off their mask. Yeah. Know? And so it's what's hard for people. So. It is.
0: It is. Well, if I can encourage everybody who's possibly listening, um, just try as hard as you can to to just kind of go deep and just figure yeah. out the vulnerable parts of yourself and if you need help with that you know reach out to somebody who you know that can help you get to those vulnerable parts and 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 also just to you know be comfort or try to figure out how to be comfortable in the uncomfortable moments in life and that will it's all about resisting if we resist too much the worst part is always the beginning of the emotion,
1: <laughs> yeah, right?
0: Exactly, and we're yeah. re- when we resist, we're keeping it in that beginning part of the emotion. When we go further and we don't resist and we just allow it to fall through us, uh, then we can actually experience that emotion and move yeah. on.
1: Yeah, it'll teach us something and pass through us. And yeah. Yeah, it teaches the lesson we need to learn from it. So Well, perfect. where can
0: people fi- – so you I, – I, the books obviously Fit to Fat to Fit yep. and the Keto book um, and then um, – you know, if you also have you're a strong presence on Instagram, strong presence on Facebook. So, Drew Manning, Fit to Fat to Fit. And um, yeah, I'm so Thanks grateful that you Tessa. did this. Yeah, yeah, it's my pleasure. <laughs> it was really fun. So That's I'm, awesome. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. So. Well, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. And uh, I will see you on the next episode. Bye.